0: I remember the, the story of a Marine who was deployed overseas, and he had always taken care of his sister, and his sister was going through some issues, and because he was overseas, he couldn't attend to her, and the Marine uh, attempted suicide. Got the call from the hospital after he was stabilized. I got to talk with him. Mentorship after this through several months, and now he's out doing well has been promoted, and he's doing outstanding. So for me, puts a smile on my face when I am able to see people who I've helped, yes. that they're doing well. Hi, I'm Byron Tyler, and
1: today we're coming to you from the 2023 PCA Presbyterian Churches in America Convention in downtown Memphis, and join meeting folks, telling stories. We have a booth here, Bot Radio Network has our booth in the exhibition hall among Probably maybe a hundred. It seems like they're everywhere. <laughs> Different ministries and organizations and coming to share their work with the PCA pastors who have come literally from all across the world to be at this convention. I've been building this kind of connection here for the last couple of days as we've been on site with Francisco Munez. Francisco is with our U.S. Navy from the halls of Montezuma to the halls of this convention here at PCA. Francisco, welcome to Bot Radio. Thank you, Byron.
0: Thank you so much for having me.
1: And one of the things, too, of course, you light up with that smile. But one of the things that we kind of started a conversation, I have a banner behind me and it has a picture of Adrian Rogers. That's right. Yeah, and and you gave me a little story about A. R.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah. So when I, I lived in Puerto Rico, uh, we uh, would hear the shell Love worth finding. I was very inspired by uh, Adrian Rogers' preaching, and not only the the content of his messages, but also the delivery of his messages. So when I started going to Bible school, and then later on seminary, I shaped a lot of my preaching. Uh, in the style of Adrian Rogers. Uh, And so he was like my indirect mentor, right? never never. met him, never never met me. I never knew him, but I I saw how God worked through his preaching and I was inspired by that. And I think to this day, I, I, I still emulate how he did ministry. Yeah, so I'm thankful for his ministry. Yeah.
1: So your teaching style must be analytical. You got points. You got teaching yes, points. Yes. Yeah? Yes. Absolutely. Which yes. I love. Teachers who do that with a brain like mine, I need all the help I can get. <laughs> so, <laughs> and Adrian Rogers always said, "You put the cookies on the bottom shelf so the kids can get them." You well, know. I like that. I and like because that. we can get so theological, you know, in yes. our delivery, yes. and we're going, we need something that we can practically understand. Right. Now, we don't want to compromise theology. Right. But it, it can be communicated in a way that all can understand.
0: Right, absolutely. And and people, they need God's words for today. Yes. And they need to understand how to apply it, how to digest it, uh, how to just take that sermon, and put it to work in their lives right away. Right. yeah. And uh, that's something that I appreciated from Adrian Rogers' preaching, that I was able to understand yes. it. So like I said earlier, that's something that I wanted to emulate as well.
1: Can you take this just for a few moments back into home life, growing up in Puerto Rico, and something about your family, what life was like?
0: Yeah, absolutely. So uh, I was born in Puerto Rico when I was about, about five years old, and my sister was born with a brain tumor. So medical care in Puerto Rico not the best, right? So my parents moved to uh, New York to take care of my sister and and provide for her some uh, good medical coverage. I was, of course, raised by my grandmother. My grandmother was a God-fearing woman, so she instilled in me some good uh, biblical values and, and teachings. So I credit my grandmother with raising me up in the faith. And I credit her with where I am now, right, as, as, a, as a minister now. So growing up, raised by a grandmother, attending church at an early age, and as I sense God's calling into ministry, even from a young age, people ask me, hey, why are you a Navy chaplain now? Or how did you know you want to be a Navy chaplain? I tell the story a lot of people don't believe me. I want to be a Navy chaplain since I was in my teens. I felt God's calling, so specifically uh, to be a chaplain, maybe a chaplain. chaplain. Yes, 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 sir, to be a chaplain because I, I enjoyed the military for some reason. My my grandfather served, family that served, and I knew I was called into the ministry. So I, when I put two things together, I got a Navy chaplain. So my my grandmother raised me, raised me into faith, and as I grew older and or as I matured my faith, I started to want to learn more and learn from other people. I don't know why I enjoy biographies. I enjoy reading, enjoy learning about people's stories and not only Adrian Rogers' ministry, but also R.C. Sproul's ministry was very influential in my development as as a minister. So I thank both of these men uh, for that. So that's how, in yeah. a nutshell, right? Nice. Yeah, uh, no, growing that's great. up in Puerto Rico was, I, I lived in Puerto Rico until I was about 21, then I moved to the, to the states of Florida, and from there on attended seminary, undergrad, and then seminary afterwards in Virginia.
1: So you were on track to, to get into the gospel ministry. That's what you believe God called you to do. You took the necessary steps to go through education, like you said, Bible school and, and seminary. Did you actually pastor, or were you involved in a church ministry as a civilian before going into the Navy.
0: Yes, I was a pastor Well, I was going to seminary at Liberty University in Lynchburg. I was a pastor, nice small town church pastor in rural Virginia. I was a pastor for three years and one of the requirements for Navy chaplaincy is that you have to have two years of professional experience. So I, I received three years there at that, that church. Uh, loved the people, they loved me, and what I love about them the most was that they took this Hispanic guy from Puerto Rico and his family to be the, the pastor of this country church, <laughs> people from the country, and I loved their ways, learned their ways, and still have great connections with them. So I was a pastor for three years in uh, Virginia.
1: So what did you learn to enjoy food-wise from the people of Virginia that you hadn't had before coming to the States or Having come from Puerto Rico, was there a certain dish or uh,
0: something way they cook food? that? Oh, you... absolutely, yeah. So, you know, it's a Baptist church, so every <laughs> Sunday there, there's a lunch after service, right, or most Sundays. So. And then the pastor gets all the leftovers, right? So probably why I gained 20 pounds when I was there. But, uh, you know, stuff like meatloaf and yes. chocolate pie, stuff I've never had, green bean casserole, and just some good country, good fried chicken and such, you know, something that's— uh, and they know me every time I go visit, even still, they prep— dishes that the pastor liked. It, oh, so that's, I'm, I'm so grateful for that. That's so good, Francisco. Yeah. So
1: this whole time, you, in the back of your mind, knowing that you are wanting to move towards a career as a Navy chaplain, even while you're pastoring this little church in Virginia, is that correct. right?
0: Correct. Yeah, correct. Like I said, I, I I had the calling since I was a teenager. I remember actually getting a, um, a chaplain corps kind of flyer with an image of a, an officer in uniform, and I cut that out and and put it in, uh, you know, back there we had the little things, like the Trapper Keeper, right? So you can, some little see-through stuff. I remember putting that image there, or that picture there, I should say, and that kind of like inspired me to keep going uh, when the classes were getting tough or things were just getting, so... Even at 18, 19, I, I knew this is uh, where the Lord had called me.
1: Okay. Dude. So when did you actually sign the dotted line and join the Navy?
0: Yeah, back in 2013. So this will be my 10th year as a Navy chaplain. I joined the Navy out of uh, Richmond, Virginia. From there on, the Lord has blessed me and uh, with, with some great ministry and, and the glory is, of course, all his, but I guess what I'm trying to say that I'm I'm just very thankful for this calling over the last 10 years and hopefully the next six, seven years until I can retire.
1: Now, one of the roles you're in right now is you're a recruiter for the U.S. Navy or not just the Navy, but also the Marines and the Coast Guard to recruit chaplains to come and serve in in the capacity of one of these areas of our armed forces. That's one of your assignments now.
0: Correct. As a uh, program officer, I, I recruit chaplains minister from Virginia all the way up to Maine so I cover the northeast and at first, I thought that, oh, the next three years, I'm not going to be in any ministry, right? That was my initial thought. But this is ministry because I'm, I'm pairing people with God's calling. I'm helping them see God's calling upon their lives. I take this job that I have right now very seriously and with much fear of the Lord because being a Navy chaplain is a calling within a calling. We have our callings to our ministry, to our churches, but some are further called to be ministers within the military context. Yeah having the Lord use me to help people realize that calling, I I think it's a a very humbling thing.
1: You know, I'm kind of curious, Francisco, I've read statistics where the church in general is seeing so many pastors leaving the ministry. From their congregations, after a short time, or what we're seeing a great number of them leaving the ministry. Talk about the recruiting side. Is there interest? Are you seeing men and women want to join? You know, the Navy and get into a chaplaincy program.
0: Absolutely, and many of them uh, are because either their their family has served in some capacity. Some of them has. has been like their lifelong dream to serve their country right that has done much for them and and other pastors uh, just want a change of scenery i'll admit that are just like in the civilian sector, our, our numbers for recruiting, and even in the Navy and the armed forces as a whole, are perhaps lower than what we want them to be. But yet we still find many faithful men and women that are, are willing to answer the call uh, to wear the cloth of our nation and, and serve in a capacity as as chaplains within the military.
1: Okay, I'm only going to assume that you had to go through boot camp just like any other new recruit would have to do.
0: So Navy chaplains go through what's called an officer development school in Newport, Rhode Island. And this is a five-week course that teaches them about naval doctrine, how to wear their uniform, you know the basic understandings, right. And, and, and yes, I do tell people it's, it's a boot camp, but it's not a boot camp, right It's for officers. and not only for officers, this is for our, what we call our staff courses, our professional doctor, nurses, lawyers, chaplains, we go to this course and that's for five weeks. After that, Navy chaplains go to what's called Navy Chaplain School, or basic leadership course. And it's eight weeks that we don't teach them how to be ministers because they already come with that experience of foundation. We teach them how to be ministers in the sea service meaning working with the Navy, the Marine Corps, or the Coast Guard as right.
1: well. Okay. And can we talk about some of those differences? You having served as a pastor, you understand what the role of a pastor in a traditional type of church is. What are some of the maybe differences that a Navy chaplain would have to be prepared in the way of his ministry?
0: That's an excellent question, Byron. I have a sense that as a, let's say, a pastor in the military, I'm a pastor to all. And whether they have faith or not, doesn't matter. I'm, I'm still their pastor, right? Yeah. So before Coming to this assignment, I was aboard the USS Abraham Lincoln, which is an aircraft carrier, and we had 5,000 sailors at a time. So I would say jokingly, hey, I'm a mega church pastor yeah. <laughs> because I got 5,000 people, 5, people under my care. So versus when you're in the local church, you're, you're the pastor for that congregation in that town. Maybe there's 10 churches and 10 different. Pa- I was a pastor to everybody, right? And for me, it didn't matter if they were Pentecostals, charismatic Presbyterians, Anglicans, Lutheran Catholics, uh, Muslims, I was still their pastor, right? And and, and that's one of our core competencies that, that we care for all. So for me that's that's one of the most striking differences that I can walk down the P Way, a hallway of a ship, and just stop anybody and say, How you doing? And they know I'm the chaplain and they know that they can trust me with whatever is happening in their lives, right?
1: And we talk about because we're oftentimes we're talking not all, but as we talk about new recruits into the Navy, typically many out of high school, maybe that didn't go to college, not always. But some of them are a little green behind the ears and getting away from mom and dad for the first time. Absolutely. And so there's some new challenges there, and they can face maybe
0: some things they weren't prepared as they move into becoming a man, you know. Correct, and many of them find that this is a decision they want to do. But once it is, once they do it, um, it's a little bit harder than they expect. That, like you said, it's either uh, first time away from home, or they they want to grow up and be independent. Sometimes they're running away from something, right? They just they just want to just want to create their own life, right? And I say you can run away from some problems, but those problems are going to catch up with you if you don't deal with them, right? If you if you think changing location is going to solve your problems, it's not. I (laughs) I think Francisco.
1: I think one of the funniest things oftentimes, not, not always, but sometimes some of these young men or women might have a trouble with authority. And mm-hmm. so maybe in some way, and they don't like authority, so they want to get away, so they go join the Navy. Well, right. <laughs> they're going to learn about authority, you know, a- truly, abso- right?
0: Absolutely. Yeah. No, <laughs> we, we have great leaders, but in all reality, it's, it's not a democ- democracy. right? Uh, but you know, I, I find that uh, with the younger sailors, more so than that, uh, I, I find myself doing a lot of counseling, a lot of mentorship. Yes. With them, yeah, and helping them transition from being youth to adults. Yes, I remember I even helped one sailor once do his taxes. They didn't know how to do taxes. I'm yeah. like, come on, I'll help you yeah. out. Bring yeah. you stuff. <laughs> I'll, I'll help you. Right. So nice. even from the most simple things of doing taxes to the most complex dealing with sailors or Marines who are, who are thinking about suicide. Right. Yeah. Wow. and and that's and that's see, what we do. Do you see that sometimes? Many times. Yeah, many times. And yeah. let me say this uh, because this is important. We Navy chaplains have 100% confidentiality. That means that no matter what a sailor or marine or coast guardian comes up and tells me, I am legally protected and I don't have to divulge that information. So, a lot of sailors who might be going through some life struggles, they don't want their stuff out in the public. Number one, or two, they may think it may hurt their career. So, they come to us knowing that what they tell us. Is safe and secure and the Navy allows us to be at least one resource for them to go and talk to somebody without any repercussion and what I always do is I, I if I'm not able to help I get them someone that can help them. yes right I'm not a not a medical doctor right, not right. I'm not you know I'm not a even though I have experience in training and in counseling, I'm not a family therapist. So if I come somebody, someone comes with that, I'll I'll get them to that person for help.
1: I love this, Francisco, because you can build relationships with those that maybe their commanders or superiors wouldn't have the same type of opportunity. You know, that vulnerability, as you're talking about, right. can be so important. Transparency, and it could really help in their trajectory of their career, whether it be, you know, in the military ultimately or somewhere else in life that God might lead them, you know, after they leave the military. We were mission on the island of Guam and, of course, Guam has a Navy base there, yeah. and we became friends with many Navy families that we attended church together at the Marianas Baptist Church in Guam. And I remember young Seabees would come in, and we would invite them into our home after church, or at the holiday time, they were so far away from home, mm-hmm. you know, we would have them over for Christmas dinner and exchange gifts together. One young man that we built a relationship with, and, and he did his military career, in the Navy came back and retired from the military, felt God calling him into the ministry. Mm-hmm. And so he went to New Orleans Seminary, and he's originally from Louisiana, and he's pastoring now in Louisiana with his wife and four children, I believe. Yeah.
0: Right. But what, what a great story. And something that the military gives any individual is some type of leadership skills, right? And when we talk about looking for Navy chaplains, we not only want to minister, but we also want to— Someone has the potential to grow in their leadership and be able to apply leadership in many contexts and many scenarios. And this gentleman that you mentioned definitely got some leadership skills uh, from the military that I'm sure are making him uh, successful now in his current ministry. Yeah,
1: I would totally agree. And I, I've seen the growth. I remember from him getting as a young CB, he went and got a a green M&M tattooed on his arm. Okay. <laughs> not, not many people, you, you think about I love mom, or you get a, you get a, an anchor or something on right. your arm, right. but he got a green M&M. It was always kind of a joke, you know, with him. But we're just watching him mature and grow is to become a man of God and a husband right. and a father and a pastor, you know, and it's neat. And I, I know the Navy really had an inf- impact in his life. I will say this, one of the largest inland navy bases in the world was right here in Millington right here in, mm-hmm. in right outside of Memphis in Millington mm-hmm. Tennessee now it's downsized quite a bit you used to have a lot more younger you know, i think it's more of an officer training and officer headquarters now than it once was. Right. But at one time you would go through Millington and Friday and Saturday nights, you know, there was young Seabees and recruits. I mean, walking up and down the streets and going burgers and enjoying time off. At the holiday time, our church, it was Adrian Rogers Church. Mm -hmm. And there was a military ministry and there was a retired Marine who kind of came on staff. Actually, it was a volunteer at first. And we started bringing these military and most of them were Navy, but sometimes we'd have a few Marines at holiday time they had no place to go. And my mom was a single parent, and it's just my mom and I. And I worked for a little Christian radio station. Matter of fact, the one that the Bot family owns now, I was working there when I was in Bible college. And so she would sign up. And I'll tell you, Francisco, one year, we had a total. I came home. I had to work on that Thanksgiving day. I came home and we had a total of 18, probably three Marines and 15 and guys and girls, wow. Navy. And they were in my, and my mom had them all in a circle going around saying, what's your name? Where are you from? You know? That's great. But we all came together and had a great meal together. And we enjoyed that for so much several years. Always, that was one of the highlights of holidays for us as our family is inviting these young, you know, Navy servicemen, and I said, if I say, a few Marines would come, and then after a meal, we would meet up with another family from Bellevue Church with Adrian Rogers, pastor, and we would find a field to go play football.
0: Great. That's great. <laughs>
1: okay, let's talk to that individual right now. Maybe a pastor, or maybe someone who is thinking, you know, I never really thought about a career as a Navy chaplain. What would be their
0: first step? Some of the basic requirements. Let's, let's just talk yeah. briefly about that. Yeah. You know, undergrad degree and a master's degree of 72 hours or more. doesn't have to be a master's of divinity because there's many masters of arts that have the 72 hours. Maximum age is up to 57 years of age with an approved waiver. No waiver under the age of 42. Of course, this person has to have the two years ministry experience, which I've mentioned, a full-time experience in their church. They have to uh, pass medical, right? They have to pass a background check as well. So those are some of the basic requirements. Now, we also have a program for individuals in seminary, right? We call it the Chaplain Candidate Program. And these individuals have to pass the same background checks and such, but their, their primary requirement is to be in seminary, right? And we give them the opportunity to develop some of their leadership skills through on-the-job training, which is kind of like uh, mentorships uh, with with chaplains, and it's a non-committal program that they can try it, check it out, and if they don't like it, once they finish seminary, they can get out. Right.
1: Now, is there ongoing training for Navy chaplains, you know, resources and ways that you help them in, in the jobs that they do?
0: For us chaplains within the Navy, yeah, already.
1: I, mean, yeah I know many of them, as you said, have already had your seminary training, You've had, you've gone through that, but ongoing, you know, it's like, as you talked about dealing with people in considering suicide yeah. or maybe deep emotional grief or difficult time, is there special training that chaplains offered?
0: We as chaplains, we have a yearly what's called a professional development training course oh, yeah. at PDTC, and it's offered throughout the country, and depending on where you live, you go to the one that's closest to you. So we do that in, in different topics, right? It could be, you know, ethics. I remember some of the ones I've gone through, even the use of social media, right? And and how to address some of the individuals that perhaps have no faith, right? So we're constantly getting trained, but the Navy Chaplain Corps also offers opportunities for us to go get degrees afterwards in, in areas of ethics or pastoral counseling, but we are offered education. We also value people who go on their own and get their DMS or any other degrees. Yes. We have many chaplains who have gone and got their master's degree in counseling afterwards, or or DMS or PhDs, and these individuals are are looked favorable for promotion, which keeps you serving as yes. as long yes. as you keep yeah, promoting, yeah, you get yeah, to yeah, stay yeah. in. Yeah. Uh-huh. So e- either either we value you getting your own education, or we'll we'll continue to provide training okay. for you, Francisco. What has been? The most
1: rewarding thing for you personally as a U.S. Navy chaplain and the time you have served, and I don't think I've asked you this in, in the interview yet, have you actually done like a, a tour overseas and being in a, in a combat mission, you know, in the time of war?
0: Yeah, so um, more on the combat side when I was enlisted in the Air Force, uh, that's when the war was happening. Uh, I've been at sea with the Navy, of course, and I've been overseas as well. For six out of the 10 years of my career, I've been overseas. If, if I am transparent with you, the thing that I find the most rewarding is, is again, uh, unfortunately, the topic of sailors who... Are, are thinking about ending their lives and you're able to help them and of course they stay alive but more importantly they are able to bounce back and become very productive sailors or marines or citizens yeah right, right. Uh, I, I remember the the story of a marine who who was deployed overseas and he had always taken care of his sister and his sister was going through some issues and because he was overseas he couldn't tend to her and the the marine uh attempted suicide got the call from the hospital after he was stabilized I got to talk with him mentorship after this through several months and now he's out doing well has been promoted and he's doing outstanding so for me and I say that with much humility because it's it's hard to talk about the things you do because <laughs> the glory belongs to the Lord and and but Uh, That, for me, puts a smile on my face when I am able to see people who I've helped, that they're doing well.
1: I love that, Francisco. And one other thought is you, as a young man... Desiring to go into the Navy as a chaplain, and the course you took after training and becoming a pastor, and then signing in, moving into this in this role, was there anything that you weren't expecting? I mean, you know, we all sometimes young young men will think, "I want to be a you know a fire chief. I want to be a police officer." And and a lot of times that's just play. When they grow, they become something else. Not always. Sometimes they do follow that dream and thoughts and everything. But is it what you thought? And what has been beyond what you thought in the process of becoming a chaplain from that time you started that dream so long ago?
0: It is what I thought, right? Uh, it is what I thought. I, I knew that coming in, if I joined the Navy, I'm going to have to be out at sea, right? You, you join the Navy, right? That's that's expected. What, what I perhaps didn't expect was how well my family has adopted and has done with this. I always get a lot of questions from the applicants. Well, what about the kids? And I said, my kids love it. They get to meet friends, new friends, every two to three years. So, uh, my friends have probably more friends <laughs> than someone that's lived in the same place for the for the rest of their life, or right. for the same place during their life. I've just been very surprised how the Lord has blessed my family through all this, and how supportive they've been, more than what I thought, in terms of the job, to what I expected, and then some. And I'm not just saying that because I'm a recruiter. I mean mm-hmm. that, right? Yes. Yeah. I've come to uh, thoroughly enjoy it, being able to serve and being able to be with people in need. Now,
1: typically, a chaplain, would they conduct a, a service, like a worship service, on a base somewhere, just like church, whether it be on a Sunday or Saturday correct. or yeah, a day during the week? I don't know. How does correct.
0: that work? Correct, yeah, yeah. A chaplain could do a service not only on, on a chapel, on a base, but on a ship. It, it could be... Um, it could be at a hospital, if you're assigned to a hospital. It could be in the field with Marines, right? It could be wherever wherever you are, you, you can conduct a service. And I've done services in South Korea. I've done services in the Philippines, in the middle of the Atlantic Ocean, in the middle of nowhere where I don't know where I'm at. Uh, I've done a <laughs> service. I've done services in Puerto Rico uh, and throughout the States. So wh- wherever we go, we're able to bring individuals close to God uh, through services. Or Bible studies, right? And sometimes they don't have to be an hour long. Sometimes it's just a, a five-minute service or talk because they're either fighting wars or prepping to go fight a war or training for it. So, um, yes.
1: Francisco Moniz, God bless you, my dear brother. Thank you so much, Byron. Thank, Thank you. Thank you so much for how you're allowing God to use you for his kingdom through our United States Navy and the other Marines and the U.S. Coast Guard trying to get chaplains to come and serve our country. And thank you, too, for your service to our country, protecting the rights and freedoms we share as Americans. God bless you, my dear brother. I really appreciate this. Thank
0: you, Byron, for your time.
1: Okay, one more time now. For those interested in learning more about the chaplaincy program, what should they do?
0: Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Navy.com website and search within it uh, chaplain. Or you can Google U.S. Navy Chaplain Corps. My number is 929 400 1623 even though i work the northeast i'm I'm happy to connect every anybody with my colleagues throughout the states uh so that navy.com is has all the requirements and everything needed and from there on from that website you can fill in some information and we'll be in touch with you
1: last question now having have you live around the new york area new york city uh, by chance have you ever frequent junior's cheesecake I have not. No. Oh, you have not No. You know what I'm talking about, right? Juniors Cheesecake. No, I don't. Juniors Cheesecake in New York City. No. I thought everybody I have never been. I, this is one of the goals in my on my bucket list, uh-huh. one day to go and eat at Juniors. But okay. uh, you
0: when you but go you know, When I think of cheesesteak, I think of Philly. Okay. And I and I live about 50 minutes from <laughs> Philly. So that's where I go. Now, I think New York but pizza. When I say cheesesteak. I meant to say cheesecake. Oh, cheesecake. Got yeah, you. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. yeah that, that, I, I think I've heard of that. I think I've heard of Junior's Cheesecake. might have to go check it out.
1: You don't look like you've eaten bitty cheesecakes, though. You look like you're in pretty good shape. <laughs> I, I do have a sweet tooth. That's my demise.
0: My sweet tooth. Thank you so yeah. much, Francisco.
1: All right. Thank you, Byron. Well, friends, that's all the time we have on this edition of Mid-South Viewpoint. Thanks for stopping by. I'm Byron Tyler. We'll talk to you next time. Bye-bye.
0: Thanks for listening to Mid-South Viewpoint. The show is archived for on-demand listening on our website at botradionetwork.com or via your favorite podcast platform like Spotify and iTunes. Some of our shows have videos as well and can be viewed on YouTube at Byron Tyler Radio. Stay tuned to Bot Radio Network to fill your day with God's Word.